we would like you to gather around or at this table. And, um, and if you have a notepad, um, that, this would be a great time to take notes. If, if, if you have an iPad or a cell phone um, and you promise, um, cross your heart, uh, that you will not uh, play video games while we're talking, then you can use that too. Uh, welcome, Sister Tammy, to the platform. <laughs> Here are the people that, that I get to see every Sunday morning from this perspective. And I like it. It's wonderful. And welcome to my table. So Good. This is great. Um, The, the goal of, of the church, our goal of the church, is not to um, get more people in the building just for the sake of warm bodies. All right. If you'd like to see a big crowd, go to an Amway convention mm. or go to a football stadium. Not everybody knows what Amway is. Yeah, that's old, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Let's yeah, okay, let's bring it into like the 21st essential century. Essential oils. How about that? Go to an essential oil convention. Okay. Or, or go to something that uh, would be um, uh, populated by a host of celebrities. But so the goal of the church really is to, is to make it to heaven. All right. Ultimately, everything else besides that is going to fail. Nothing's going nothing's to stand. And so the operation of our church is to be healthy. Mm-hmm. We're going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So we want a healthy church. Amen. We want a healthy church. I'm not talking about diabetes. I'm not talking about people who struggle with some kind of disease. I'm talking about the health of the body. All right. And if the church is going to be healthy, it doesn't start here. No healthy church begins in the church house. All right. And that's the big misnomer that's been taking place for a long time. As if you go to church to get well, and this is not really the biblical pattern. But healthy families and healthy homes create a healthy church. And so it's our desire all the time to promote healthy churches, healthy homes. Um, i like for, Tammy, why don't you read the scripture, but I, I would just like to say this. This is the big phrase, the big word here. No one builds a house without a table. All right. No one ever builds a house without making play, a place for a kitchen table specifically. And that table is literal. But it's also figurative, too. We'll get into those things. Sure. Proverbs 9.1 says, Wisdom hath builded her house. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath killed her beast. She has mingled her wine. And she has also furnished her table. Who, 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 built, who built the house? Wisdom. Wisdom. Who put the she. table? She. she put the table in her house. Wisdom, if you, read, if you read that entire chapter, you'll find out wisdom is calling. Mm-hmm. She built a house, and one of the first things, in fact, the first, art, the first article that she put into her home was a table. 
because there's significance of a table. Now, if you have a note, let me just give you the three areas of health that you have to, that you're going to work on. Even if you're not working on them, there are three areas of your health. The first area of your health is spiritual health. Hey, we can say these are the three legs to your table. The three legs, the three leg table. I like four legs. We'll add a fourth. I don't have a fourth one. But we can. It sounded good though. Boy, this is getting good already. (laughs) (laughs) Do you notice when it gets off a little, I kind of readjust the paper. (laughs) Oh. Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. The balance of health. The three-legged table. I usually do this by myself because <laughs> no one knows if I'm off. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> the spiritual health. Yes. There are many people who have... a. They, they run, they're, 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 they have mental acuteness, but they're spiritually very unhealthy. They're anemic. They're spiritually anemic. And the reason why is because they don't pray, they don't read the word. They don't have a walk with God or a relationship with God. They're spiritually anemic. So we're not going to cover that right now today, but I just want you to know your spiritual health is critical. Because if your spiritual health is off, then everything else is off. And your spiritual health... It's got to be fed. Your spiritual man has got to be fed just like your natural man. And then is the physical body, and that's taking care of your body. And your body, the Bible calls your body the temple of God. Or the, and the Bible also says the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So exercise and eating correctly and nutrition. Maybe some of you might do detox, you know, kind of clean your system. How about this big one? Rest. Mm. Absolutely. A lot of times we're blaming the devil on things that he didn't even think of. And we, get, we, we think it's spiritual warfare when really it's that two liter of Mountain Dew that you drink every day. And that's caused a lot of issues in your body because you didn't think. Here, here, hey, all the, this is a pretty conservative church. All the conservative people, Christians here. There's a, there's a reason why we, we, we try to lead people away from smoking addictions and tobacco chewing because it's unhealthy. Tobacco will, if you put a tobacco in your lip, it will rot out your lip you, and you'll have cancer. In fact, in fact, it, it, we, we pray for all the people who smoke because we know that science has already told us that it'll damage your body. Smoking is not in the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell you not to smoke. <laughs> there's no word Marlboro in the in the. Lucky lady. There's no, none of that's in the Bible. Well, how, why would we have the authority to say, it's probably not good, don't do that? Because it, it hurts your temple. So some of you don't smoke at all. But, but, but you're doing other things to your body just as damaging. Sure. sure. Okay, well, nobody wants this one. I promise you, nobody. Move on to the table, Pastor. It's the truth, though. But after the physical and and. And after the spiritual and the physical comes the emotional health and emotional healing, right. emotional well-being. That's where we are today. We're not tackling today the word, your time in the word or your time in prayer, although all of that will be part of this. We're not really tackling what you eat, what you put into your system every day, although that's part of it. But emotional health is where we are today. It's mm-hmm. the figurative mm-hmm. table 
but it also comes through the literal table, the emotional health. Mm-hmm. Should I give this disclaimer now? Yes, it's very important. Okay. Well, it's it was above the absence of the yes. Disclaimer. Let me give you the absence of the disclaimer. We don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, especially at our table. We want you to feel very comfortable. Yeah. Um, but I have to. So tell we're going to be real. <laughs> In order for you not to be comfortable, we're going to just lay it all out and be real. That's right. No, not really. <laughs> it we is the truth. It is true. Yes. But that's not why we're going to be real, so that you're comfortable. Here's the absence of the disclaimer. We're not going to put a disclaimer on it. Because when you come to this house, I don't know where else, what other houses, op- how they operate, but when you come to this house, we're going to peel back all the layers. Yes. We're going to get to the core of, the emo- of emotional yes. problems. And sometimes pulpits have been shut down or they feel inhibited or, or people don't want this. Mm. But we've got to talk about what should be. So we're going we're gonna to present a gold standard. It's not what we always do, no, Tammy. It's what but we're it's, striving. We're for. striving for this. We're pushing to have what we're right. teaching. We're trying for it. So we're not pretending like we're perfect or that no, no one else knows this. Your no. tables may be more functional and healthy than ours. It's okay. We're not in competition. We're no. just trying to be better. But there are some statements that we have to make here today that could be uncomfortable. So let me just give you the absence of the disclaimer. We're not going to put a disclaimer. We're just going to say we're reaching for the gold standard. It's sort of like this. We believe from the Bible that sex outside of marriage is a sin because the Bible said that. It's called fornication. We believe that, that people who are married should not have an intimate relationship emotionally or sexually with someone else that's not their spouse. That's called adultery. I didn't make that up. If you've got a problem with that, Amen. go back to the book. And, and argue with God mm-hmm. and see how far you get. Probably not far. But we don't want to talk anymore in our churches about babies out of wedlock or young men impregnating young girls because someone in the audience might, might be, they might be struggling or they failed or they've had issues or someone's living with someone then they shouldn't be living. So now pulpits don't want to address these issues because they might offend someone. Well, the word of God can be a stumbling block for you or it can be a stumbling stone. The word of the Lord convicts us. That's what the word does. Now, I'm not talking about being hateful. It's always truth and love. But we've got to be able to have these declaratives to be able to say, hey, listen, you're off track. Get on track. Here's where you have to get on track. And this is for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're single, if you're a widow, a widower, if, if you're living alone, this word is true. Absolutely. So I'm not going to give you a pass. I'm not going to give you a pass today. We're just going to talk about this table. It's and it's not meant Good. to offend anyone. Good. But if you're off track, let's get back on track. If you've done something wrong, then let's repent and go on from it. Absolutely. <clears throat> Um, emotional talk, health. Talk about the uh, evolution of our table. Yeah, I, I think that's important. Go ahead, though. You want me to tell the first one? Because when we, were, when we first got married, I traveled as an evangelist. Um, Dad, I married Tammy. You, you said it was okay. I met with my father-in-law uh, at the ball field. And I asked him if he would give me blessings to marry Tammy. Mm-hmm. I think he kind of knew what was coming. 
And he said that was all right with me. And, and the next line was... Go ask her it, mother. <laughs> no. He said, it might be good to have a preacher in the family. Oh, good. Yeah. That was, that was fun. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, when we got married, we moved to Ohio, Reynoldsburg, Ohio. I bought a, a home that had previously been a HUD home. And, and, um, and it needed a lot of restoration, but I bought it before you yeah. saw it. That's right. We signed the papers. This is funny, yes. And um, we didn't have any furniture, and we pulled up into the house. Well, uh, first, first it, we honeymooned uh, in, in the Midwest. So on our honeymoon, we came over to see this house that Jeff had bought for us to live in. And as we're, we actually signed papers on our honeymoon for this home. And as we're signing the papers, some of you heard this story, I started crying. We're signing these papers together. And on the way out, Jeff said, Tammy, what was that emotional breakdown? What was that all about? I said, that is just way too much money for my dad to pay back. (laughs) He said, your dad is no longer in the picture. (laughs) So that's how we started. But we're getting to the evolution of our table. (laughs) We traveled. Yeah, we had no furniture. I didn't come from, I came from my bedroom at my home. I did. And he just about the same from the basement of Grandma Richardson's home. Yeah. We didn't have And I was furniture. traveling. I, we didn't, I didn't invest the money. And, and we... One day you were first, home. One the day story was home, goes. We, we, we had a... Um, where did we find that table? We remember we, we started our, our marriage off with Pastor Stark in Columbus, Ohio. That's right. And so one day we were both... When we were home, we had office hours to keep at Pastor Stark's church. And we were in the office and maybe must have gotten a little bored. So we went wandering around this large old church building. We'd gone up in the attic and either you discovered or I discovered. And we called the other one up and said, you're not going to believe what we found. All kinds of old furniture in this attic. (laughs) Cindy, you recall. So we, Brother Stark said, you may have anything you want. So we dusted off all this old furniture and brought it home and come to find out it was elder uh, Brother Chambers. Brother Chambers. Older Brother Chambers stuff. Which was a very renowned minister and we had his furniture in our home, and one thing we found was a sofa table. It was we didn't have a we didn't have a kitchen table. We had a sofa table. Now, we sofa, sofa table, table is about is about half this width, maybe about this long, but about half this width. And that was our first table. We used that as our table. Now we didn't have a table, but we had fine china. We had thirteen place settings of china that was purchased. We've for never our, used those for china our wedding. <laughs> So we had 13 place settings of fine china and this sofa table. So I took out the nice crystal candelabras and the candles. And I'd set a table uh, with that. And then we'd pull the aluminum chairs. We didn't have actual chairs. That had Calvary Apostolic Church stamped on the back. Two chairs. So (laughs) this was our our table. 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 We We had a table. But the thing is, we established a table. We were smart enough to know That's right. we needed a table. We weren't too smart, but we were yeah. smart enough to know. That's true. 22 years old. That's all right. No one builds a house without a table. Yeah. No one constructs a room without a table. Even <laughs> these tiny houses that they're building yeah. today, which Have if tables. you like those 185 square feet, be my guest. Yeah. I have a shed you can have right now. (laughs) But they all come equipped with a table hidden, but it comes out. But there were more tables. So walk through our tables, uh, Tammy, because I think the phases of the tables are very important. Well, we say that to say your table doesn't have to be um, 
large. It doesn't, have, it doesn't really matter what your table is, but our next table was the table that we sat around with our kids. When our kids were younger, we had a bistro table in our kitchen of our home on, in Edgewood, and it was a bistro table. It was round, and we only had, um, we could only seat five uh, around the table. No, that's not true. We only had well, four be- chairs. Before that, before that, it was smaller, and it, it warped, and so... Yeah. Uh, we only had four bistro chairs, so one of the kids had to sit in the ledge of the windowsill. But remember, the top warped, yeah. and, and Annie's, Annie's dad, dad took Annie's the top of our bistro. He had found a large tree, and he created us a larger table, but we only had four seats. We had Nico in a high chair, Reagan in the window ledge, Allie and Roman in a, Alex in a, bu- in a booster. booster, and Reagan, and we, all, we managed, and we loved it. We were close. That was our table. And then we graduated to this table. Now, this table has many extensions. We just reduced it for the sake of the platform. And it also has a lot of dings and cuts. And, you know, everyone in the course of their growing up at this table have decided to play the drums with their Uh their utensils. So knives and forks. And some of your kids have have hurt and ruined our... (laughs) Our house, Our too. <laughs> and they've Our sat, I think, Blaine, 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 I've got many pictures of Blaine sitting in the window ledge at the Hudson home. Blaine, Blaine, Blaine? Oh, has yeah, eaten Sawyer. a lot of our food. Sawyer has eaten a lot of our food. But in the window uh, ledge. In the window ledge. But finally, this better suited our growing family. It extended, um, it has many extensions. Actually, the way we use this at home is there's three seats on that side, three on this side. Uh, six, seven, eight, and then we have four bar stools that are on this direction at our bar. And when company comes, the kids just pull up bar stools to every corner. So we use, we maximize this table. So we can have 12 at this table at any given moment. Right. So, and that's, um, and it's at this table that the people we love dearly gather. Meals are shared at this table, stories are told, faults are confessed at this table. And it's at this table that we laugh together and we cry together. Um, it's at this table that we set our daily agenda and we share our mission and our burden for you, for the church family at this table. Uh, I homeschool our children or we homeschool our children. So it's at this table that we learn. And if you look real close, you'll see the residue of dry erase markers all over. Because if it's worth learning, we write it on a whiteboard. Dad breaks out the whiteboard all the time for us and teaches from a whiteboard. So mm-hmm. we read at this table. This is Jeff's seat. I've, it's comfortable being at our table, but this is not where I sit. So you sit here. Da- sit no, it's flipped because you're seeing at this end. Oh, I so Dad sits here and I usually sit right here. Jeff sits here. Um, so I'm a little off with that, but uh, it's at this table that we read our morning Bibles, and that we pray. It's at this very table that we connect and we learn to communicate. And that's good and bad. We've learned, we learn to argue at this table. We learn to debate at this table. And we learn to argue correctly. And I would say that it's around this table that uh, our family has established the emotional health of our home at the, this table. The, if you would like to have emotional health, it's, it's not complicated. In fact, you have to uncomplicate things. It's the repeated disciplines over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. It's continuity. Disciplines do not, are not created um, in sporadic lifestyles. 
They're not created at a drive-through window or at a restaurant. And the abandonment of this table has caused a lot of problems in the spiritual life of people when this place is abandoned. True. So surely there's something in the Bible about tables. There's a lot of things in the Bible. Is that your that yeah. your nice cue? segue? Okay. <laughs> no. Well, well, let, let's let's talk a little bit about the way that Jesus did things. Um, Jesus sat at tables and ate a meal. When you're at a table and you're eating a meal, your uh, a lot of pretense is is dissolved. Mm-hmm. Your walls come down. People communicate better around a table with a little food in front of them. Most of the great business deals that have ever taken place have happened at a table with food. Mm -hmm. What Jesus did is he served meals. Mm -hmm. He broke bread at a table. Mm -hmm. People were restored at a table. Even the prodigal was restored at a table. table. Mary... Magdalene anointed the body of Jesus while he sat at a table in the house of Simon. Anointing can happen at a table. Mm. She, she anointed his head. She anointed his feet. He made connections with people that were not saved and clearly were, were clear sinners, publicans and sinners. That's exactly what the Pharisees did not like about Jesus. And that was their... That was their disclaimer about him. Yes, he says he's a rabbi, but he eats with publicans and sinners. It was at a table that he did that. And I'm convinced that one of the most important spiritual disciplines for our lives is to establish a discipline of gathering around a table. This literal table, to gather around a literal table. We are living in a very fast-paced world our attention is stolen. We have, we have not children, adults of all ages have attention deficit disorder. Even while I'm teaching right now, your mind can be wondering. I just want everyone to know, whoever's folding clothes or worried about them, you can't fold clothes while you're listening to me. Just put that aside. You can't pay a bill. You can't fix anything at home right now. But if you could focus and to recover any part of life, it is the art of gathering around a table. You gather around a table, and that's when you're going to be like the Lord. Tabletop Bible studies yeah, was birthed. Was birthed at a table. I, I would I would print out the and and say, Tammy, I'm going to go to this house or that house, and I would sit yeah. down at a table, and and whatever they would bring out, usually, hopefully, tea. Sometimes it was food. Mm-hmm. It was. It was. It, the Bible says you. Never mind. <laughs> you know, drink no deadly thing. It would not harm you. I, I've eaten a lot of stuff. I don't know. I couldn't identify. But but I sat there at the table and taught them a, a Bible study with food. The the recovery, the the ministry of reconciliation, the bringing about the entire Coach Far family. Talk about that, Tammy. What happened? They wanted to know, but we felt like at the time, they don't need to hear a sermon. You know, actually, um, Jeff and Casey were very instrumental in that. We were teaching, Jeff was teaching in their home at their table, but what they didn't know, they were imparting back to us. Our kids were little, and we did a lot without them. We would, we, 
I messed up. Um, Crystal Fisher, I messed up. I didn't probably bring my kids with me a lot when they were little. I left them with sitters or with these teenagers. Yeah, because they were screaming like some of the yeah. kids, like the four kids have already been screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just want you to know all, all the babies right. that have been crying, don't worry about it. One night, our four kids were so bad. Actually, it was, uh, it was three of them. It was Roman, Reagan, Alexandra, Grant, and Max. Uh, that was, those are my uh, nephews. They were so bad. Uh, Jennifer and Tammy had such a terrible time. I had to stop my sermon and say, if the Harpo family would leave the sanctuary, maybe God could move in this house. <laughs> you remember. Yeah. So That's screaming true. babies, you're okay. So after being at the Coach Far home, whenever we would go there, all the, the, te- the adults that are now adults with their own babies and families, they would come out as young teens and they would just gather around and sit. And we'd go home and we'd say, oh, you know, that was so nice. I hope that one day, you know, teenagers don't do that these days. They don't just want to learn. And I've never forgotten that, uh, Jeff and, and Justine. I never I have forgotten that. And that's what my desire is for my kids. And it's happening. Whenever we have special guests at our home, our kids, they pull up the bar stools. And it's wonderful. I would definitely say that table time is a transformation time in our home when we have table time. Uh, something I have discovered about our family is I believe that food is our family's love language. <laughs> I don't know how many of you have read Gary uh, Chapman's The Five Love Languages. He doesn't include food as a love language, but I really believe in our family, food is a love language. And when our family is out of sync, when there's a little conflict on the rise, I know, start cooking. And if I can start cooking and set a table... It's almost like, or just bring everyone to the table. It's like instant relief. It really is. A hot meal around the table seems to solve so many issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, thing, very few things bring our entire family more enjoyment or than preparing food together uh, or eating together. So sometimes I even include them. There's a little conflict. Just come in here and get in the kitchen with me. Stay away from everybody. Just let's start cooking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a perfect time for, actually, my mother-in-law taught me that. She did a great job of teaching this. Um, It just seems that when we're at the table, even when there is conflict, and we know there's frustration, uh, it appears that the kids and us, they know they have mom and dad's full attention, and we have their full attention seated at the table. Believe me, it's a constant struggle. Now, you're not leaving. No, no, come back to the table. You're not leaving. So we do have that full attention at the table. It's a perfect time for communication, a perfect time for redirecting and setting order. We, we just went on a vacation, and the vacation, here's, the, here's our blessing of the vacation. Yeah. That every night there was a dinner prepared. And that's... And I didn't have to prepare it. And you didn't have to prepare it. And it was, it was good food, but we sat at a round table. This is my vacation. I'm with my kids, we're at a round table, and we're trapped for two hours with good food, and we get to talk. <laughs> yeah. That's vacation to me. Yeah. And that's why... When we went on the cruise, you know, we have a schedule. Roman set the schedule for the day, and um, we all had to have a dinner time. And my, my time with the kids, Tammy and I sitting there, we're talking to them, is very important. We get to learn about our kids. Absolutely. Actually, a couple of weeks ago when we were on the vacation, we got to learn a couple of things that we didn't like about our kids. And ourselves. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. 
My kids said, I know what's happening. This is what happened. This was Speak the table discussion. The kids said, I know what's happening. Mom's been reading one of those self-help books and she has discovered how to fix us all. <laughs> so I had to realize, oh, okay, I'm starting with myself. <laughs> so that was the dinner conversation. Two years, ago, we, two years ago, we did the same thing and, and Roma was 16. And it was great because all the, uh, Alexandra, Reagan, and Nico got to talk. Roman doesn't talk a whole lot about himself. But they, around that table, they got to decide who Roman could date. Oh, yeah. And, two years um, ago. Two years ago. And who, who he should date and who he shouldn't date. And they collectively decided that they would be voting on all of that on who, who he could date and who he could at marry. The, at the dinner table. At the da- dinner table. And he'll be really happy that you're telling all yes, of Yes, he'll, he'll be thrilled. They all are thrilled. Tam- and in fact, Alexandra said, every time you talk about me in a, in a sermon, I want $20. <laughs> That's good. That's good. You know, this is just a fun fact that I had written down. Did you know that we have um, over 10,000 taste buds? That God created us with over 10,000 taste buds. You know, so yes, not only does he prepare, has he um, given us the foods to prepare, but he wants us to enjoy them. And so that's why I think it's important that you come to the table. Sister Debbie Johnson, are you here? She's in the kitchen. All right. So I thought about her when I was when I read this about the 10,000 taste buds, because when I take time to prepare a meal, I want to sit down and watch. I want to watch the faces of my children as they enjoy that food and express my kids after sitting at her table, they love the good food. And I think she would feel the same way. But so once again, it's at the table that we learn when they pick up the pot and they say, Oh mom, I'm like, ah, No, you're going to appreciate. I worked hard on that. Whether you like it or not, you don't say it. So we're learning how to be thankful at the table. Yes. And I was just thankful that God created taste buds so we can enjoy this good food. This this is an... At the table. you, You don't think that this is elementary because we're living in such a distorted time and the advancements that we have, the quick things that we have are ruining... The depths of emotional health. It's true. Sure. I know things can be thrown away, and I know we use paper plates sometimes. But there's a value in preparation, in eating, and in cleanup. It's true. Go ahead. Take any one of those things out, and I'm going to tell you what you've got. You've got a dysfunctional home. No one communicates. Husbands and wives don't know how to treat each other. Children don't know what to think or say, and there's no exampleship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought we were supposed to learn about Jesus in the church. Well, what did Jesus do? He was constantly at a table, ministering at a table. Mm-hmm. He was feeding people. Mm-hmm. His lessons went so much better. Here is at the end of his life. The disciples get off a boat. They see Jesus on the shore. What does the Bible say? He's already prepared for them food. He has fish and a little bread. And that's when he starts to minister to them. It's around the food that Jesus declares what manner of death Peter will suffer. Why is that? Why did he choose that moment? He could have chosen any other moment. Because the Lord had to give Peter a direction. You're going to have the keys to the kingdom. You're going to be powerful. But oh yes, you're going to die. That's when Peter had a trouble and said, well, what, Lord, what about John? Mm-hmm. When did all that happen? That happened at dinner. It's true. That happened when they were eating. 
Because some things are not palatable to the spirit if there's no food that's palatable to the flesh. You know, you said it yourself, Jeffrey, you, you've taught this, that don't go out and invite people to church. How about invite them to your table? You've said it. That's, I, I feel like that's kind of what we've been uh, learning. That's been our motto is, well, maybe do invite them to church, but before you invite them to church, it would be nice if they sat at your table. Well, and, 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 and the concept. Maybe, I, maybe I've not really been declared that correctly. That's kind of like a cold call. Hey, why don't you come to our church? Mm-hmm. I met somebody in the mall. Why don't you come to our church? I met someone at the grocery store. Why don't you come to church? And then you bring them in here, and then you've got this crazy preacher up here. Yeah. And then the music band is going, and they feel like they're at a rock concert. And someone is speaking like a, like a bunch of, no, let's get real. When people walk in, they don't know what you're doing. They might think you're reciting a whole bunch of Japanese, Japanese motorcycles. Kawasaki, Yamaha, Yamaha, Yamaha. And they don't know. No, no, to you, you think this is okay, but to them, this is strange. It's true. It's a strange. And so, and then we got all these formalities and we got all this stuff going on. And then everybody's wearing, everybody's on the platforms wearing like a suit and tie. What's that about? You don't see that everywhere. And there's structure and there's order and people know where to go and they know what to do. And then people are raising their hands and the service starts. They've been to church before, but all of a sudden people are abandoning their seats and they're at the altar. Well, who preps them to come into this house? Mm. If you don't have a relation with them, not, na- of course they think, naturally they think, this is a weird group. They're odd. I can't be part of them. Uh-huh. So when I say don't invite them to the church, Tammy, what yeah. I really mean is that's a cold call. Yes, sure. invite them to the church, but you've got to, you've got to have a relationship. If- well, it is nice that they would come to our table and see we're normal. <gasps> Oh, their kids argue or they have disagreements or, oh, okay, so it's not polished and everything doesn't always look so well. It's nice. That's right. It's, that it's, happens at the table. And, and, and true growth comes when we, when we sit down and we have a normal conversation. And in that conversation, we just talk about life. Life. And inviting people into your home is really inviting them into your life. And what happens when they're invited into your life? They get to know you and then they fall in love with you. And just as Ruth fell in love with Naomi and did not know Jehovah, they will receive any doctrine, any church that you, that you go to, not because they love the church, but, but they love you. And when they fall in love with you, they'll receive this house. But if they don't know you and you just brought them here, chances are they're going to come in and say, I don't know. It was good. It was, I don't know how it was. And the reason why is because we removed this table. And when this table is removed, we're all in big trouble. No one builds a house, everybody, without a table. I don't care what we build in the future, unless this is present, Mm -hmm. no one's coming. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, One of the distinctive aspects of the Lord was that, and by his own admission, he would purposely go to to someone's house who was a Jewish tax collector. <laughs> you know, you should take care of your own. You really should. Uh, and the Jews 
they, they were being manipulated by the Roman Empire. Of course, the Roman Empire would do this a lot. They'd go into a region. They allowed the, the indigenous people to have their own form of worship, their own gods. And then they would hire people of that region, the indigenous people, to become tax collectors for the Roman Empire. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he used the people, misused them, and gave the other portion to the Roman Empire. And Jesus purposely went to his house, sat down at a meal. And by the time the Lord was done eating that meal, what did Zacchaeus say? I'm going to give back four times what I took. Yes, yes, I'm yes. changing my life. Yes, yes. That, was, that was the process of Jesus. Yes. And the Lord was criticized. They said, you're a drunkard. You're a glutton. Why? Why did they call him a glutton? He was always eating. So the picture in your old Bible that has Jesus looking like an Irish man with blue eyes and a straight nose and standing six foot two and a half, kind of almost like a GQ guy, that's not Jesus. He's probably a short, <laughs> very dark skin, very dark eyes, very dark hair, Jewish man. He doesn't look like O'Malley. He doesn't look like an Englishman. That was not the Lord. And he ate all the time. He walked a lot, but he ate all the time. He could have had a little pudgy belly. There's some people that think that's sacrilegious and they're really upset now. <laughs> you don't know. But the Pharisees said, the Phar- you want to ma- what do you want to imagine him like coming out of GQ magazine? Is that what you think he was? No, that he was a Jewish man. You couldn't pick him out in a crowd. But he, what you're saying is there are extensions that he reached, he reached further exactly right. than yes. just those that he loves at his table. Yes, I said the, those that are closest to me, the dear, dearest to me, my heart sit at this table. However, there's a time we add the extension That's right. and we go beyond the walls of our home and have others. It's not at just our table. us four normal. Absolutely it's not, not. That's it not the be. idea. That's Jesus right. didn't do it. Our example was not that. I'll, That's I'll, not our example. I'll show. just give you this, this one thought about the tabernacle of Moses because if you study the tabernacle of Moses you'll understand the New Testament it's it's easier to understand the New Testament and the gospel if you understand the tabernacle of Moses I won't go through the whole thing I've, I've, I've done a little bit in the past here's the tabernacle of Moses it's incredible God told him what to put in and in the holy place there was a table it's made the same way the Ark of the Covenant's made it's made out of acacia wood that's the Ark of the Covenant. The most prized possessions made out of acacia wood. And it's covered with gold, just like the Ark of the Covenant. And on that particular table, the showbread was put fresh every day. The showbread. And, and in reality, the translation's kind of hard. But, but, but really, it's the bread of the presence. Of the presence. The capital P-R-E. The presence. It's the bread of the presence was always put fresh at the table of showbread, that table, that. continually before the Lord. Yes. And the presence could occupy the area because they made it fresh. I don't want you to go too deep here with your thought, but just let me just offer this to you. Is the Lord's presence welcomed at your table? What happens at your table? What kind of things happen at your table? See, just because you have a table doesn't mean it's healthy it could mean it's dysfunctional mm-hmm. a displaced table is a table with empty chairs 
That's where individuality takes place. That's a dysfunctional home. Instead of come to the table or gather around the table, it's a disbursement. We're just going to get our food and go to our corners, our rooms, or some other place. There's no gathering around it. Think of this, Tammy. We even have to battle this now. Absolutely. Four teenagers in the house, or almost. Well, Nico's 12, but... He'll be. Yeah, he thinks he's... How old does he think he is, though? He thinks he's older. But it's true. That's what they want. They want their phones. They want their food. They want it outside. They want it in their... They can't go to their rooms, but they would like to with their food. They'd like to go downstairs, they want to basement. Go downstairs They'd like to go to some other place. Um, and and, and that, sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's nice because I'm thinking, please just let them go. I've been with them all day. Let them go. Mm-hmm. But it's, it is a struggle to have family time at the table. It's a struggle, a constant struggle. Our order and our structure is established right here. The table that you're looking at right here is the basis of everything I preach right it, here. It's true. This is the place because I'm sitting in the chair. Mm-hmm. I have my Bible, mm-hmm. my daily Bible, and you a notebook. You set the order. And I'm reading and I'm studying for life. And we didn't bring the other Bibles, but yeah. uh, speak a little bit about that, what we're doing in the morning. Well, we just realized that, um, you know, with, with kids, that it's easy that. Maybe they forget some of the Bible stories because you don't go back over and review like we did in Sunday school. So we broke out the 365 daily Bible that pastor always promotes at the beginning of the year. And we sit at the table in the morning and everyone reads from that. They'll read just one section. They'll read another. And we just keep passing the Bible. Well, we all have our own, but we've lost three of them. So we just keep passing it and reading it. So it's nothing major. We're not talking deep theology, you know, exegeting scripture. Right. We do that sometimes. We break out the whiteboard, or Dad Jeff does. But I reel them in and say, hey, let's just learn basic Bible stories. Let's get the foundation right. Mm-hmm. So all that and happens at the table. That, that is so critical to their lives. And, and I'm going to make a big statement here, and it's not to offend anyone, but I want to make a big statement. And you'll, you're going to just... You deal with it and you do the best you can. The Bible says we are known by our fruits. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says. You're known, you'll be known by our fruits. There's no greater knowledge than what my kids display. They are my closest fruit. Yes, I know it's myself. Mm-hmm. It's my closest fruit. And so... What I do here, I won't have them forever. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get as much time in as I can. I won't have them forever. Work schedules, college, you know, Roman, he's working, he's, he's got things going on, he's, he's preparing, he's, he's got a lot of things happening, he, he's involved in uh, teaching uh, piano lessons, he's got a schedule. You know, Reagan's got his schedule, it's a little bit easier, he doesn't have his driver's license yet. Um, but it's a little bit easier to re- with Reagan, although he's got his buddies, Alexandra, she's, she's got her friends, but we're still, it's, it's good. Nico, he forges knives now and we don't, and he doing a, I don't know what, where did he come from? He, he's got his schedule and his life going on. <laughs> he uses our house as a little, uh, you know, rest place for his next ventures. We won't always have them around our table, but the investment here is going to last the rest of their life. 
if I'm not doing well or I don't do well, what it should tell me is that later on I should be, I should be careful how I judge other people because my most immediate fruit of my life are my four children. I love this church. I love the ministry that the Lord has allowed us to have. But my children, my children have to join with me in the ministry. I'm not going to tell you that my children come first because I don't have to set that priority. My children have to be with us. But if it ever came down to a ministry or my family, of course it's going to be my family. I've, I've met several men who wanted to be in the ministry. They sacrificed their children for the sake of pulpit time. They sacrificed their children for the sake of some ministry that they were appointed to. And they abandoned their families. And they said, mm, one man was in a horrible place. He told me, I knew it was a bad place. I knew the church was full of hatred. I knew the church was full of anger. I knew the church was, but I got to preach. I said, really? Yeah, I got to preach. You know, every once in a while I get to preach. And what was the cost? The cost came at his own children because his children we're not growing up in the Lord. They were just existing in the church. And all for the sake of his own self-ego and pride. He abandoned this table. This table became dysfunctional. That, happened, that happens repeatedly over and over and over again. My children are not perfect. They're not perfect. You know why? Because their parents are not perfect. Much in the same way that our children are not six foot five. Even though, I don't know how, because we're... We're so tall. They don't have a chance. Also, my children are not inherently spiritual. They're not destined to be a pastor. They might be destined to be mouthy, but they're not destined to be a pastor. They're not, they're not better than your kids because, and when you say to your kids, well, those are the pastor kids. Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? They're, they're, they're. They're going through the same struggles that your children are going through. And just because I teach them, that doesn't mean that they are, they're, and Tammy is teaching them. That doesn't mean that they know everything about life. They're still going through all the process. They're going to make mistakes. And they should not be above making mistakes just because they're related to us. No more should your children. But my immediate fruit is, are my children. My immediate fruit is Roman, Reagan, Alexandra, and Nicholas. Those are the people that I've got to invest in as much as I can. Why? Because they're growing in the Lord and because they're going to have families one day. And I need all of my boys to know how a man is supposed to treat a woman. How are they going to learn that? Can you speak to the family that, because I still think your family, whether you have children at home or not, but speak to those that may not have children at home. They still need a table. What about someone? There's no husband and wife. There's just one. Do they not need a table? Everyone needs a table and you're going to invite someone to your table. And, and you could say, well, pastor, you know, I don't have any kids at home. Okay. Well set up a table where people can come home, come home. And if they don't come home, then set up the table where someone else can come and you can begin again. Here's the beauty of new life. Start right now. You know, can I say this? This is the truth. And I'm not trying to uh, throw my mother under the bus, but my mother was, uh, at home with us and she was 
uh, very busy working. And we were all, there were four children at home and we didn't have this table. I'll just tell you, we didn't have this table. And I'm sure that if she could go back, she would recreate the table, but she is redeeming. She has redeemed her table. And she has a table now, doesn't she? And, and even though her grandkids are older and some are here, she redeems that table with the community children or other children that feel displaced. It's all about what you had in the table. What was that table when you went to your mom's house you sat in front of the television? Well, yeah, it was the table that I grew up with was, was a TV tray. That was our table or the coffee table. And we revere that coffee table. We remember, man, that's the coffee table we played games on, but it was in front of the television. And when Jeff and I first got married, um, somebody wanted, was visiting us a lot and they wanted to buy us a TV because we didn't have a TV. And I said, absolutely not. I remember what it was like growing up in front of the television. Now we loved, we loved our family, our home, but she realized or realizes now that Maybe that wasn't what it should be, and she's redeeming. So I would offer that to anyone that maybe your children are grown and you realize, oh, I missed some dinner time. I missed table time. Redeem it. Redeem it with other children. Redeem the time. I, I try to even say, we, we've said this many times too, and I think you're, you, you've probably done it more than I have, but, but no phones at the table. Mm. Why do we have a cell phone at the table? Oh, because someone important might be calling? Yeah. Who's important? Who, we're going we're gonna to establish level of importance and honor. Yeah. So I don't want to put my phone beside my plate. And the other day, of course, Reagan knew that, and he had his phone in his pocket, and it went, and of course, you know, him and Sawyer have got this, they, uh, we talk about Sawyer a lot at our house. I don't know what their best friends and his, all of his buddies and they're, they're going to talk, but even that still, it's a distraction. Why do we have that? These distractions have caused a lack of communication and the lack of communication has caused damaged, healthy relationships. Think of this dysfunctional table where there's criticism there's gossip and complaint. Oh, here, here, Pastor, right now when I tell you this very important thing, I'm trying to help some of you, and some, some of it, I'm trying to do it very subtly. I'm trying to keep you out of tables, away from tables, where the bread of bitterness and the poisonous cup is always served, most of which is by former church members. Be careful who's at your table. I'm trying to be subtle with some of you because I don't want to hurt your feelings. And I certainly don't want to think that people can't recover. Anyone can recover. All they have to do is say, forgive me. I want to do right and be humble and submissive. Anyone can recover. But most people are so full of pride, they won't re recover. And some of you are sitting at tables where the bread of bitterness and poisonous drink is being served all the time. You don't even know you're being infected. Listen, if that table is full of complaints and criticism, if you ever go to a Sunday afternoon dinner table, wherever it's at, right. if it's at talk about it, if it's at MCL or if it's at your favorite restaurant, and anyone opens their mouth and says, Well, I don't know what they were wearing today, or boy, that was I don't know about what did you think about that part the pastor said, or boy, I'll tell you what, I don't know how they're spending them. I don't why is that why is that that building not up yet or what, what's going on here what anything like that you know right then you're at a dysfunctional table and you're about to get wounded and hurt yeah. 
I'm you. trying to help you. It's true. Hear me. I'm trying to help you. But some of you are not listening to what I'm saying. So I'm going to say it one more time. There are tables you should never sit at ever. Ever. And when it comes to your table, I ask you, who is invited to your table? Who's sitting at your table? Guess who's sitting at my table? My pastor sits at my table. And he's not even here. Because we quote him. All the time. You quote Sister Stark, Tammy. We talk about the great men and women of God. They have access to our table. We quote the people that we love at our table. And that's figuratively that they're sitting there, but there's other literal people we want to bring into our lives. You have a very short lifespan. So those of you who are dysfunctional, look at this and say, I've got to get better. I'm going to get better. I'm going to do right. I'm going to guard what I say. I'm going to guard my home. I'm going to create a table. I'm going to have something where people are inviting. It's intentional. It's It's being intentional. When you spoke earlier about um, Pastor Stark and Sister Stark are at our table, they may not be at our table all the time, but that was already prepared because Jeff will come to the table or I will come to the table or we get behind behind the scenes and we're saying, okay, this is what we need to talk about today (laughs) or tonight. But... It's intentional conversation, and you set the order for the table. Parents, you set the order. Grandparents, you do set the order. You have a voice. They don't have to come down in a suit and tie and church clothes. No, no, but they do need clothes. They need clothes. Wait, we better talk about that again because, and listen, yeah. you're going to have to establish the rules for your home. Yeah. But, you know, put a shirt on. Absolutely. And what time of the day is, is it? Uh, you're going to walk around in your pajamas all day long? <laughs> what is this? Is this a hotel? What are you doing here? Um, that's, what ha- that's what happens at our table. We, that's we're, setting order. We're always yeah. setting the order because they're always pushing the boundaries. But guess what the good thing is? Guess what the good thing about this is? You're going to have to eat again tomorrow. So guess what? <gasps> tomorrow you get to readdress whatever the issue is. There's always... The another, another day for the table talk. Another time. I, we won't get into who said this because if I say the names, it costs me money. But You may not want to say it. It wasn't Alex. It might have been. Um, anyway. But, but, you know, hey, would you get something for me? And then they got it. And then we didn't hear anyone say thank you. Uh, could you say thank you? You know. Why are we asking that? Because whatever I do at my table, they're going to do with you in their lives True. and in their homes. True. Hear me, parents. The same, thing, the same thing at your table. What you're allowing in the That's lack a, of order, they're going to do it with others. I, I, we've said this many times, but let me just say it again for those of you who may not have heard it. What you do in, in moderation, your children will do in excess. What you think you can handle... They'll go way beyond what you can handle. Oh, well, it's okay. I've got to have this phone, for example. Yeah. I've got to have this, you know. Uh, I, like the, I like the news being played on. All that distraction. And then we have a host of adults with ADD. Mm-hmm. Now, now, you want the church to fix this or God to fix it. This is not a, this is not a place where we just get fixed. That's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Um, can, I, can, I, can I ask you this, Tammy, about these these very bad 
uh, the adages and the and and sometimes examples analogies analogies of this of the dysfunctional home. Uh, what's wrong with that with that statement? Uh, happy happy wife, happy life. What's wrong with that one? Yeah. Well, I think there's a there's an issue with roles. Mm-hmm. And right. would, is that where you're going? Yes. I don't know because we talked about that. Yeah. Well, I can't even like to say that sometimes. <laughs> happy wife, happy That's wife. That's not good, Tammy. That's not a or good thing. Or when mama's happy. If mama's not I'm happy, nobody's happy. I'm trying to tell them happy. not to do that. I know. I know. Actually, that came from, and I'm going to be quick because look at the time. It's okay. We've got 10 minutes. Okay. So that came from somebody on our vacation. 13. This man walks past. I was watching the kids play basketball, and Nico is walking with a little pack of friends with this strange man, and I hear him having conversation with him, and this man had just played basketball with Jeff, and I said to the man, oh, that's our son. I'm Jeff's wife, and that's, that's our little boy, and he goes, oh, really? He said, well, they all just asked me to go, go with them to go ride the flow rider because they needed an adult. I'm sitting right there, <laughs> and I said, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry, and he laughed about it. He said he had had casual conversation with him. He said, but I told the guys, and he's laughing. He said, I told the guys, I can't, man. I would go. He had played basketball with them earlier, so they thought that he was his best friend. Um, He said, I would, but I've got to go take care of my wife. My wife needs me. And Nico chimes in. I was dying. He told me this. Happy wife, happy life. (laughs) What do you know about that? (laughs) That's what I thought. Oh. Okay, so, but you know, talk about roles. But, but the, the, pro- the, 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 the problem with this is that, is that the, the roles didn't, the roles got messed up. So the woman became the head. There's a lot to talk about. The woman became the head of the home. So he just submitted and kowtowed. He, became, he becomes the weak man. Now there's another man. It's the angry man. But I'll, I'll get to the angry man, the domineering man. But this man, yes, because it all happens right here at the table. We, we learn the process. And so what happens is if you have the weak man who doesn't pray, who doesn't fast, and watch this, he's lost his moral authority. He's smoking in the boys' room. But his kids know, but when his kids do something wrong, he feels like, I'm not that good, and I can't, I've got a lot of problems myself, so I won't say anything. He lost his moral authority in his home. He lost it with his home, and his wife has taken the lead. Now, ladies, as I've taught before, and this is in your Bible, you can read it, there's a couple of, when, when Adam and Eve fell, there's a curse, there's a bunch of curses out there, and one of them for the men is that he'll have to work by the sweat of his brow. All the days of his life. Men, you must work. Even if your wife makes hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, you still need to get a job if you can work. You make minimum wage, but you must work. You have to work. Don't relinquish that. You've got to work. Men must work. And it'll be hard work. And women, there'll be, there's a couple problems. You have pain in childbirth. And the second curse that God put on Eve was, and your desire will be over your husband or the Lord over your husband. A woman always wants to dominate her husband. That's her most natural instinct. So happy wife, happy life, really, a lot of that comes from, you know, I'm not going to take the lead here. And reason why is because he's never served or worked. He'll just do whatever it takes just to have peace in the home. Now, sometimes we understand that because Solomon wrote, it's better to be in an attic, a small space with a content wife than to be, are you ready? Than it should be a large house with a brawling woman. Don't point. (laughs) That's the Bible. 
These roles, these roles need to be functional. Thank you, honey. This is a wonderful meal. Thank you. And they're Thanks listening. for taking our time. They're listening. They're listening. I'm in the kitchen trying to help with Tammy. She's making the food. We're working together. We're eating together. I We're talking also, together. I think work ethic is established at the table as well because they get to see and they get to hear. And I say dad. I really don't call him dad. But they get to hear their dad or their father um, talk about his day. Or they get to hear their mother talk about the things that she's done and the work that is involved in, in a full day. And they're like, you know, dad works hard. I mean, it's not. it's just a given in conversation. Well, we did this today or we did that. They're realizing, I better get up and, and, and be busy when I, I become the father. Uh-huh. And I table. want the, the table to have a purpose. We're living in a moment right now. It, does. it doesn't matter what age you are. Tables have lost their purpose. It's true. Many tables are not even being used to eat on. Yeah. There's stuff piled up on the table. Yeah. I see a couple of people. <laughs> no, we don't have a camera inside of your home. There's tables that are being used for something other than their intended purpose. The purpose was for you to get together around that and build a relationship. And when I tell you the continuity of the same thing over and over builds the relationship, even when it's just Tammy and I together at that table, we're communicating, we're talking, we're sharing, we're building our relationship. See, the angry man is abusive he feels like he must, must demand something. So he's showing the other side of a dysfunctional table. He won't talk or he'll have the silent treatment. Men, the most important person that you'll ever talk to is your spouse. Ladies, when you, if you're single in here and you're going to get married, make sure that you understand and know that person. You might even try to figure out who they are and you can do it best at a table and eat with them. Sure. Yes. You know, there's people, there's people that I've talked to and they said, well, I really love my husband, but he eats his food like this. He, he doesn't use his fork right. It's great. It causes problems. They need to problems. go to Diane's etiquette class. <laughs> so we'll have that session Listen, next. but what I'm saying is that you didn't know what they were because you didn't sit down and you didn't spend at a, t- a table. So I would say you were either in recovery if you're a single individual in here, set a table, invite someone to the table. Make sure the right people are at your table. Make sure the right communication is going on at your table. If you have children, now's the time while you have them in your home yes, yes, yes. to conduct. Reagan, has to, Reagan needs to put a shirt on when he comes to the table. Yes. Scott, had, Scott also, dad would be very upset with you, Scott. Because Scott would not put a shirt on. And then he couldn't, we couldn't even have dinner until Scott had to go through this whole process of why, why it didn't matter and why no one was there. And I, you've, you've seen me burst and you gave me baths and all the stuff. And, and it was always over and over. And, and we would go down the road and Scott would lift up his shirt just halfway to get a belly tan. He'd say to mom, I'm getting a belly tan. And she'd say, put your shirt down. You're embarrassing me. And, and, and somebody might see you. And, and, and so I think Scott does have a small strip across his belly where it's a permanent belly tan, but it came at a great cost. The, the table, the, I don't know that to be true, but the, the table is critical. This is critical. This is the communication. Look in the Bible, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 5. Look in the Bible. 
Because the modern day church, the Pentecostal church, thinks it begins and ends on Sunday morning. It does not. It begins on Monday morning. It ends on Saturday night. And Sunday we come in to rejoice. And we, and the Lord comes for the worship and we come for the word. He don't come for the word. He already knows that. Unless it's not his word, then he's wondering, what are you talking about? It's, it's Monday. We're, we're, we're trying to create a functional table. Tomorrow is when our work starts. Tomorrow is when our work starts and our family. And it's not that we're trying to make sure everything's right. It's just that we're going through the process. Yeah. We're trying to make it healthy. Yes. Emotional healthy. Yes. So that whoever marries Alexandra oh, will, have an, will have an expectation. She'll have an expectation of what a husband and a father should be. Whoever the boys marry, they'll have an expectation. This is how I ought to treat my wife and my children. Now that's a healthy church. We always talk about healthy church. We want to have good church. Just what you said. Healthy church happen with healthy families. That's right. And healthy families start at a, at a healthy, at a table. Yes. That's health. Even in this house right now, even where we are right here. We have, we have, wait a second, honey. I'm trying to rush it, aren't I? I know. Is this what you say when you're over there? Wrap it up. <laughs> That's when my eyes get real big. <laughs> I don't look at you. I know. I know. Poor Grant. He has to look over there. And I'm doing this. Stop doing that. <laughs> okay. This house, this particular house, we want every relationship, yes. single, married, Divorced, whatever, you, wherever you're at, we want your emotional health. Yes, We're praying for that, because when you become emotionally healthy, and you combine that with the spiritual food that's offered, something transforms in this place. And and what we're offering you today is a glimpse. It's just a glimpse. And we're, what we're what we pray today is that. Your families will be strengthened and you'll be concentrated, you'll, you'll concentrate and you'll be cognitive and intentional about what you're doing around your table. Hear me, dad, mom, grandpa, hear me. Go back home to this table, clean it. Clean it of more than just the debris from the last dinner. Clean it from conversation. Go to your table. Look around your table. Ask yourself, who's sitting at my table? Go back and listen to Raymond Woodward's, Brother Woodward's lesson about the table. You can get it probably at the podcast or a couple years ago. Ask who's sitting at your table. Question, why didn't Saul have a prophet at his table? And why was he suspect of his own son? He didn't have room. Go to your home and don't think that you can just have the quick fix at the church there is healing at this house there is power at this house but this is not the place to get the band-aid because it it, it, it'll just come off tomorrow brother foster taught a powerful lesson in morning manna today and he said 
Everything can be going good. Sunday night, the Lord's apprehending me, he said. He's apprehending me. But the battle starts on Monday morning. But Monday morning, when the sun rises, he said, it seems like I'm now I'm back into the night. So I, I submit this to all of you. Words of love, continuity, disciplines, and emotional health. Listen, it was at the table that we found Jeff and Casey, Coach Farr, and all the girls, and Luke, all of them, Luke and every one of them. It was at that table. We minister the word of God with a little food. It was at a table where Roman sat with Jill and Gordon and taught when he was nine years old, taught them at their round table in their house, taught them about baptism. That happened at the table. And he didn't even, I don't know how he explained it, Gordon, but he, he had a trifold with a crossword puzzle. It was at a table where relationships are being formed. It's at a table where, where, where we're really talking. The presentation here is a lecture type presentation because you can't talk back to me except to say amen and praise God. I hope you do. But if you're really talking back to me, then it's an eruption. But at a table, we get to ask questions and have answers. That's how we grow. That's how we grow. And I'm not talking about numbers of people. I'm talking about healthy, emotional people growing at a table. Look in this room and on Sundays, try to find somebody. Here, Pastor, and bring them to your table. We've got to be healthy in our lives. If we're not, if we're not, we'll misuse the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is not going to solve the unhealthy, dysfunctional table. Father, I pray for the people that are in here that hear this word and for their homes. I pray for their homes, Lord. I pray for every every individual, regardless of, of their situation. Help them to go home and have an inspection of this table. Help us, Lord, to to think about what you want us to be and do. I pray, Lord Jesus, for our homes, for the tables represented. Let there be joy and peace. Let there be a clean spirit at our tables and our homes. And Lord, from that, let there be an overspill of rejoicing at the church. When we gather in this place, which is our modern temple, let the, let the house just like they did from house to house or in their homes and then in the temple. Let it be equally important. I pray today, Lord, for marriages and relationships. I pray for every single parent here today. Let their homes be filled with the word and love, joy. Let it be filled with peace and contentment, Lord. Help us to restructure our lives so that what is said and done at our tables glorifies your name. Help us, give us access. And finally, I pray this last prayer, Jesus. Let your presence be welcomed at our table. Let your presence be welcomed every day at our table. Lord, let it not be that you're embarrassed to come or that you're not welcome to come or we haven't provided an opportunity through, through just thanking you for the food and thanking you for our families, Lord. We, 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 we commence our eating with a, with a prayer of thankfulness because we recognize everything has come from you, Father. Every good thing has come from you, Father. 
I pray today for the homes and people are grinding a little bit because they realize maybe my home is not right, Lord. Lord, let the word not be received with condemnation, but with, with encouragement. Okay, I can start today, and I'm just going to incrementally start. Little by little, I'm going to change some things until my table has found its purpose under the mighty hand of God. I give you praise today. I give you glory today. I give you thanks. I have a burden for the people today, Lord. I burden for them. I'm burdened for them, Lord. Let their homes be healthy and their relationships be well and healthy. In Jesus' name, by the authority of the word of God, the power that's in the name, cover every home with your precious blood. The blood of the Lamb, the atoning healing blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand with me now. Just lift up your hand to the Lord with me. Would you do that? Just lift up your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I receive this word today. I receive it for our lives today.